Let's go to Lord in prayer this morning. Father, thank you so much for this time. And Father, I thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. I ask you to speak to our hearts today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 5. When people use the phrase, old man, what are they usually referring to? Well, if uh, somebody's father is one, um, sometimes, uh, see if anybody gets the movie here, sometimes it's somebody in the community, such as Old Man Potter. Nobody got the movie? Old Man Potter? Listen, this is a wonderful life, you know, you could, oh, Old Man Potter. Or someone having a hard time getting around as an old man going down the road. But that's not what we're talking about today. Here, we're talking about our old sin nature. When the Bible uses the phrase old man, that's what it's referring to. And so we're continuing our study on the exchange life. And today we come to our old man. And we're going to see here who he is, his condemnation, his sinfulness, and his death. We're going to talk about our old man because there's, I'm going to start off with the most difficult thing that I had to deal with when I started to study this was the idea that our old man is dead and removed. Uh, the problem is, and I used to say, how could that be? Because I still want to sin sometimes. I don't know about you. You guys probably don't have that problem. But I did. And if he's dead and gone, how come there's a draw for me? That was my, my big problem. And so I rejected this for a while until I actually studied and saw what the Word of God says on the subject. And so we're going to begin with who is our old man? Who are we talking about here? This is the old you before you met Christ, also known as your sin nature. This is the nature we were all born with when we came into this world. But, Pastor, I don't think I have a sin nature. I don't think, you know, I, you know, from... Day one, I've been a pretty good person. I've done good things and I've led a pretty good life. I don't really have a sin nature. I've been good from the day one. Well, we're going to go back for just a minute. We're doing a little review. We're going to get into our verses. I'm going to we're uh, we're going to make sure that we're ready for them this morning. Remember the two trees in the garden. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which we see is usually the tree of life and the tree of evil, right? But that's not what God called it. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil brings death in the day you eat of it. So for those of you who would say, well, I've been pretty good, I've lived a good life, I haven't killed anybody. Haven't stolen anything, haven't told any big lies, just little white ones. 
I've been a little angel since I was born. None of this applies to me. Or me. So, I'm okay. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil will bring death because it is a life apart from Christ in which there is no life. Life is only found in Him. Without compromise, without exception, you can't find, you can't, you're not the exception. It's only found in Him. And so if you're trusting the fact that you do good, did you know that doing good things can be sin? Ooh, here I'm getting in trouble. I'm going to get in trouble early. Let's go and start off on the wrong foot. If I do it out of self, out of self to say I'm a good person, who's glorified by that? If I do it so people notice me, who's glorified by that? Is my job to glorify myself? That's called self-righteousness, folks, and that is sin. And so doing good things does not now, you know what? We like to do good things. A lot of us really enjoy being a blessing to other people. But are we doing it for the glory of God? Are we doing it for self-gratification uh, or self-notice? Or simply because it makes me feel good. So who is the God of my life? Then I become the God of my life. See, the old man is tricky, folks. He's tricky. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is existence apart from Christ. And it leads us to the, this determination to make it without him. It applies into our Christian walk. It applies into Christian ministry. I, I know because I've done it. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to go do this for God. And he frustrated everything I did. Until Mark gave up trying to do something for God and started listening to God and saying and getting on the same page in what God wanted Mark to do. And so don't go into this study with this idea that, well, I was born in this world just fine. You were not. You were born a sinner, folks. You were not born a saint. You were not saved when you were born. You, when you took your first breath, nobody had to teach you to sin. It was automatic. Romans 5.12. Let's look and see how you came to have a sin nature. Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, so death spread to, to who? All men. And women. All men is mankind. Because all sinned, past tense. When Adam sinned, we sinned. We were in Adam. So we have an old man. We, have a, we had a sin nature. We're born in this world with a sin nature. He says here in these verses, through one man, sin entered the world resulting in death. The result of that is death. 
Death is separation from God. That's what happened when they sinned. God came looking for them in the garden. And instead of running to him, they did what? They went and hid themselves. They put separation between them and God. And they want to keep God at a distance and say, oh, no, I'm serving God, but you stay over there and I'm going to stay over here. It doesn't work that way. When you're in him and he's in you, when you're one, you work together as one as you surrender to him. See, we want little doses of God instead of the full-throated shout of God. And the truth is, we couldn't, honestly, none of us could handle that. I would vaporize. In the <laughs> Instead, we're kind of comfortable with some things about God, but other things we're not. And so we kind of cuddle up here at a distance and leave these things out. We don't talk about them or think about them or even deal with them. And the old man is one of those things. See, when Adam sinned, it spread to all men because all sinned. You were a sinner from the moment you said, wah. You know, when I was born, they used to pat the child on the bottom. You know, they don't do that anymore. Did y'all know that? You know where they pat them now? On the feet. Isn't that crazy? I don't know. I think uh, beginning life with a good spanking is not is a good thing. <laughs> kids like to be spanked, right, kids? Kids like to be spanked. Don't you like to be spanked? <laughs> there we go. I just lost all the kids. All right. Listen, you were not a sinner because you sinned. You sinned because you were a sinner. The reason we had, a, we had a sin life before Christ is because we were a sinner. The problem is we still believe that after Christ. That's our whole problem. So we're going to talk about that and address that actual problem today. And some of you are going to track with me and some of you are going to go, I don't know about that. But that's the issue that you have to raise with God's word because it's not going to be what I tell you. It's going to be what he tells us. Because this was the issue for me too. I get it. I completely get it. And the guy that was teaching us at the time in the class, this was actually, believe it or not, it was a counseling class this came up in. Couldn't answer that for me. Because something that is true is always true, right? We know that. If it's true, it will always be true. And he couldn't answer that question. I'm going to try to do that for us today. So that's who our old man is. It's our old fallen spirit that God gave us. It's the one that was broken down. Well, really, Adam gave it to us. <laughs> it passed through Adam. But it was condemned from the beginning. Since we're all born with a sin nature, we're all condemned from birth. Romans 5.16 says this, The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, 
resulting in what? Condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift, which was salvation in Christ, arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. So he, Adam started it and it spread to everybody. Jesus finished it by laying it all on him. We were facing condemnation. Those feelings of condemnation that we have carry over from our life before Christ. They don't carry now. Even though we carry them, we try to bring this baggage from our old life with us. Condemnation is the result of being born in Adam. We were condemned to what? Death. Separation from God forever. Aren't you encouraged? <laughs> but this was the fact. The encouragement is he didn't leave us there. He didn't leave us laying there in the gutter with no hope. Did you know it's not what Jesus did that gives us hope? It's Jesus that gives us hope. Because the Bible says that Jesus is our hope. He doesn't just give us hope. It's not like here's. He is my hope. Because of who he is. Because of what he done, He did. Because he follows through on everything he says. He's my hope. I don't find hope in what comes to me. I find hope in a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. Our condemnation is no more once you walk in relationship with Christ. John 3.18. Everybody knows John 3.16, right? Any, any football fans will know of John 3.16. Has, let me just add. This is a very unscientific, informal poll. Has anybody seen that? in a football game and looked it up in your Bible. Okay. Oh, yeah, you've seen it in a football game. Any of you ever seen it, another verse out there and looked it up in your Bible? Maybe when Tim Tebow was playing? He used to put them on there. Some people do it still. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, here we go. My Gator fans are all... <laughs> yeah, that's right around the corner, isn't it? We got our football fans. I got any UT fans in here? Wow. Oh. We have two of them. And we have them cornered. <laughs> we're completely off the rails here. So we were oh, here we go. John three sixteen. John three eighteen. John three eighteen says this. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. See, we're already judged. Before salvation, we were already judged. It was done. There was no hope. But in Christ, that changes. It changes. See, when you put your faith in Christ, you no longer face judgment. And so apart from Christ, there is no hope for us. You remember Romans 8.1? You don't have this one. Romans 8.1, for there is, therefore there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. 
That's the point. That's what he was dealing with. The condemnation that was on the old man, that was placed on the old man, that stayed on the old man, was dealt with. That's why it's not there anymore, because we no longer have an old man. Now that's the part where you're going to go, hmm? That's what I did. That's what it sounded like anyway. Stay with me. And I will, you're going to leave today with not all of your questions being answered probably. But the good news is you get to come back next Sunday. <laughs> and we're going to talk about some of those things. Listen, when you were born, you were, listen, the old man is totally sinful. There's nothing redemptive about it. When you were born, it was your nature to sin. It flowed out of who you were. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Now, how many of you have ever been to a funeral and said, walked up to the person in the casket and said, get up, you lazy bum. Or how many of you have blamed him for the things going on in your life that are decisions not yet made? Doesn't work that way. You were dead. You didn't come into this world a Christian. You were dead in your sins and trespasses, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh. There's a clue. Indulging the desires of the flesh. And of the mind, there's your soul coming into play. So your body and your soul, we talked about being a tripartite being. And we're nature, by nature, children of wrath, even as the rest. And we talk about this even as Christians. Well, it's just human nature. We're just going to do that. Well, that's just kind of who we are. That's what you're saying when you say it's human nature. Let me tell you something. I've got good news for you. That is no longer your nature. That's kind of anticlimactic, isn't it? <laughs> That's no longer your nature. Human nature is not your nature. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Did he have a human nature? He had human susceptibility. But he had no human temptability, really. He couldn't give into it. See, he was God. Oh, Ephesians 2. And we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. And so, this is not just the bad people. This is all of us. It was not, listen, your old nature was not redeemable, but you were. Your old man was not redeemable. He is not redeemable. But you are. And you are. Let me tell you this. Your old man, if you're in Christ, here comes, buckle up. If you're in Christ, your old man is dead. Is dead. That's where I struggled. 
Well, if he's dead, how come, because dead men tell no tales, how come he's trying to get me to do this, get me to do that, and how come I have sinful thoughts and all that? I'm going to give you a clue to the answer. The answer is that's your flesh. Your flesh was taught by your old fallen spirit. And now that that's been replaced, we're still dealing with some of those things that we learned in our mind. We think that it's okay. We become comfortable with things that are not of God. And we allow them in our lives. And then we wonder why God is frustrating some of those things that we're relying on. He's frustrating that so you'll stop trusting in that start trusting Him. Well, God will never give you anything you can't handle. That ain't what the verse says. You ever had anybody quote that to you? Ask him the citation next time and then pull out the Bible and read it. He said, well, I don't carry my Bible. You got a phone, don't you? Everybody's got a, a I guarantee there's a Bible. Almost, I can't guarantee this, but most people have a Bible app on their phone. If you need a good Bible app for your phone, talk to me after I'll give you a good Bible app. The verse says, no temptation has taken man except that which God has made a way of escape. God will put things on us to frustrate us to stop trusting in ourselves so we can trust in Him. He's trying to help us realize that we're free from that. That's not a popular view, but I could, you could read Paul. Paul, in the center of God's will, was stoned, shipwrecked, was despairing even of the death. He was suicidal. And this is the great Apostle Paul. He has a plan for you and you're not going to escape it. Jonah tried. He did. There's the one who tried to escape. Abraham tried. The great Abraham. Abraham went north instead of south. Do you ever follow his journey? He went north. Great men of faith have tried. You ain't going to do any better. <laughs> and neither am I. There's no escaping God's will for your life. Jonah tried to commit suicide. You know that? There's a storm raging. They think the ship is going down. He says, I'm the problem. Throw me over. Why do you think he was swimming that? He was committing suicide, folks. At the hands of those sailors, thinking he was going to get out of this because he couldn't stand the people of Nineveh. Do you know that Jonah's not the only prophet that was sent to Nineveh? Go find out. We call them minor prophets because their books are small. Go find out. There's another prophet that was sent to Nineveh 120 years later. Dead. Your old man is dead. He no longer exists. Romans 6, 1 through 3 says this. You've all heard this before too, I'm sure. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. 
We are dead to it. You are dead to it. Yeah, but Pastor, you don't understand. I still kind of struggle with this thing because I like it. Your flesh likes it. Your flesh wants it. You don't. You cannot love sin if you're a Christian. But see that, here's where the problem is, right? Because we think, because what we hear in our mind and what we think is that, man, I kind of like that. And we use the word I, and the lie in there is the I. This flesh that I have likes that. The who you are in Christ can't like it. Because if you've been completely redeemed and you're 100% brand new in Christ, you cannot still like sin. And understanding the difference is the key. See, the old man is dead. And some of you, I know you're going to leave with questions today, but please come back. Because we're going to begin to unravel and pick, take this apart. My flesh has not been redeemed. I found that out last night when my back was acting up. It was hurting. If it was redeemed and brand new, I wouldn't have any problem with it, right? It would look prettier than it does. <laughs> That would be a miracle in and of itself. <laughs> but it's broken down. It creaks. It makes noises. It hurts. It gets infected. Eventually it's going to die. It's going to give out on me. It's going to fail me. But it's not who I am. It's not who I am. It is hard for us in this world to understand that this body is not who we are. How many of you believe when you die, you go to heaven? Right? If you're saved, you're Christian. Where's your body go? We know that. Okay. So you all know it already. You already know it. But if this is who you are, how come it turns back to dust? Then, then Jesus didn't save you if this goes to dust. This is not who I am. Hallelujah, I hope. <laughs> this is not who I am. This is my delivery vehicle. This is my, this is what I inhabit while I'm here. Here, we died to sin. The old man is sin. Romans 6, 6 says this. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so we would no longer be slaves to sin. Isn't that interesting? Did Jesus die on the cross? Yes or no? Was it a real death? Yes. It wasn't a fake out. He didn't just—he didn't say, "Let me play dead." You know, like when you're when you're oversleeping because you're sick, and your parents come in to check on you, and you're like, and you pretend you're still asleep. I know you kids never do that. 
Now you understand why my father says amen a lot. Jesus actually died on the cross, so your sin nature, when you put your faith in him, actually died too. It's dead. I know you're struggling because you still have those drawings. We're going to deal with that, I promise. Okay? It actually died. Colossians 3.3. It's not one verse, folks. It's throughout. When you start reading this, it's overwhelming. Colossians 3.3. If you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. Oh, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. I have no life apart from Him. We need to stop trying to build life apart from Christ. And some of it, and we're going to deal with this in upcoming weeks, is how we view who God is. We have a tendency to view Him and view other people by how they positively or, or negatively impact our life. And so if you negatively impact my life, then I view you negatively. If you positively impact my life, then I feel close to you. I feel wonderful about you. We're a very, we really, honestly, I think, <laughs> I think we lie to people when we tell them we love them. To be honest with you. If you really break down what love is by definition, scriptural definition, we, tell, we love things because of how it makes us feel, not for the benefit of them. You make me feel good about myself, so I kind of love you. I feel good about me when I'm around you, so yeah, I love you. You're wonderful. I don't like you because you just, you rub me the wrong way. Isn't that kind of how it goes? It's a selfish kind of love, a self-centered love, and we call it love. Listen, you're dead. You're dead. Your sin, your sin nature, your old man does not exist anymore. And I know that contradicts your experience, but I'll be addressing that. Just stay with me. Galatians 2.20 says this. I have, I, I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live. So if I don't live no more, I is dead. But Christ lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's love, folks. The cross is what love's about. See, my relationship with him before the cross did not make him feel good. My relationship with him before the cross nailed him to the cross. My relationship with him since the cross is the gift that he gave me on from the cross. How can we ever say, what has God done for me lately? <laughs> but this ain't fair. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, here's the problem. We... We need to get our confidence off this garbage that we've learned to rely on in life. Because genuine victory 
is found resting in his hands. And you can't just decide to do that. Because if you just say, well, I'm going to set this aside and I'm going to do that, then you still believe that this is right. And God has to teach you that it's not right so that you can rest completely abandoned into his hand. And when that happens, that's called the death process. <laughs> well, we all go through it. There ain't no other way. And it's horrible. And it hurts. And it's hard because we've been deceived into believing something that's, something's true that's not. Listen. If we're going to live our life now that we're saved, it has to be lived by faith, folks. You can't experience your life that's hidden with Christ without faith. You can't. You can't do it. It doesn't work. We would really like it to work because we just want to kind of add God to our lives. <laughs> Did y'all catch that? We want to add God to our lives. That's filled with lies. <laughs> I don't have life apart from Him. So the foundation of that thought is a deception that we have taken in and allowed to reside in our hearts. We want God to make our life better. That's kind of what's sold in the market today. God will make your life better. You know what? You, I wanted you to show me somewhere in here where somebody surrendered their life to the Lord and it got easier. Because the world comes against those who are completely sold out to Christ. This doesn't fill churches. It doesn't fill pews. It doesn't fill pockets. But it's the truth of the Word of God and it's undeniable. David was judged harder for some of the things he did because he was called out. He was called by God. And so what did we learn today about our old man? You do not have an evil twin, a bad dog living inside you. If you want to wait and see how this turns out, that's okay. But that's the truth. You do not have an evil twin living inside of you. The enemy will tell you that he's still there. He's still a viable thing. But if you come to faith in Christ, he's gone. If you haven't, there ain't no twin because that's all you got. If you never turned your faith, turned your life over to Christ, put your faith in what he did for you on the cross, then all your good works are not going to amount to anything because there's no life in them. I'm not so sure that's why Christians burn out. Because they're not living by the power of God who died and gave his life for them, like the verse says. Because he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And they would never describe it that way. Mm -hmm. Is God's word true, yes or no? Yes. Do you know what he's talking about in that verse? <laughs> We all, know what, we all know what a yolk is. It's what we get on our eggs. I'm just kidding. A yolk, that's horrible. Can you edit that? 
A yoke is the control mechanisms that go on the ox. And a hard yoke is tight and hard. You know what? I've seen the effects personally of a hard yoke. We actually rescued a horse. He kept coming over to our property and we rescued him. He had a hard yoke on him. His nose was cut into you by the by the uh, the halter that had been on the rope halter. We got him out of that as fast as we could. But an easy yoke is there. It's meant to apply for control when it's needed. When there's an adjustment that's needed. But Jesus said, not only is my, my yoke easy and not hard, but my burden is light. That is the weight of what we're carrying. Now, when you talk to most Christians today, they seem beat up and burdened down. And who would want a God like that? And I think it's because we're trying to... What The reason his burden is light is because he carries it. When we're doing what he wants us to do, he's the one carrying it. He makes it happen. It's not up to you. It's not up to you. I want a yoke that's easy and a burden that's light. And some of you are going, man, if that were only true about Jesus. Because it seems pretty heavy to me. And I've been there, and I'm telling you what it is. It's selfishness. I want God to make my life better. I want God to make me a success. I want to be a success for Him. And we equate some of these great people that come through, like Billy Graham and singers like... Um, Oh, what were some of the ones we used to hear? Like Gold City. I don't know Gold City. That's from the South. <laughs> what are some of the ones that travel through? There's some great critics. Say uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman or Michael W. Smith. And we look at the people like that and we go, wow, that's great. That's wonderful. They're great Christians. You know what? If you peel back the cloak of all that, they've got problems. That's why I love so much what was shared about Billy Graham just recently. Uh, I believe it was Michael W. Smith that shared it. He overheard him having a conversation with Billy Graham, with uh, Franklin Graham after a crusade. And him asking, saying, you know, should I have used a different illustration? I just feel like it could have been better. I feel like it could have been clearer. I feel like, you know, and so Billy Graham went through his life having doubts. And we all go, oh, what a great guy he's you know, because we're receiving what God's doing. And if we would learn to just receive what God wants to do in us, we would see the impact that God's trying to make. It's kind of sad to think that he didn't see it. He didn't get it. Because we always want to pursue being better and doing uh, and doing and serving the Lord. Listen, what did we learn? You don't have an evil twin. Two, you do not have to struggle with your sin any longer. Let me just ask you for just a minute. If that were actually true, would that change your life? If you don't have to struggle with your sin any longer? It's actually true. 
but could we fathom a moment where we could actually believe it? Y'all are so afraid. It's so funny to look at your faces. It's actually true. You do not have to. You don't know the sin of sinister. I don't care what the sin is. Pick one. You can pick an easy one. Or one we would call hard. Is, is, there, is there easy sin and hard sin? <laughs> There's another deception. Well, it's just a white lie. You know what? Listen. We're going to learn as we travel through the rest of this how to appropriate the fact that truth. I'm telling you, we're going to put this behind us. You will have the you will have the tools to put that behind you once and for all. They're actually already there. You just don't realize it. Three. Having good flesh or doing good things does not equate to the life of God, the life God died to give you. He died to give you his life and to fulfill his plans in you. That's what he did. He didn't die to improve our life. He died to give us life. Because apart from him, there is no life. You know, this, there was a preacher in a small town and he was making his rounds to his parishioners on his bicycle. This is obviously a small town. And as he was going around, he came across a little boy trying to sell a lawnmower. And he said, tells the boy, he said, I've been needing a lawnmower. How much do you want for it? Well, the little boy said, I just want to get enough money to buy a bike. And so the pastor thought for just a moment. And he said, well, I'll uh, tell you what. I'll give you my bike if you give me the lawnmower. We'll just trade even. And the boy thought about it for a moment. And he said, okay. And so the little boy got on the bike and he started riding. He was, you know, riding all over. And the preacher got the lawnmower. He starts pulling and pulling and pulling on it. And the lawnmower wouldn't start. And he asked the, he asked the boy, he said, I can't get this mower to start. The little boy says, that's because you have to cuss at it to get it started. And the little boy, and he, the preacher looked at him and he said, I can't cuss, I'm a preacher, I can't do that. He goes, keep pulling on it, it'll come. <laughs> See, sometimes we pull and pull trying to get something that's already dead to come back to life. Realize that you're dead and you're now alive in Christ and walk in faith. You are free. Jesus said, if I've set you free, you're free indeed. You're actually free. Folks, put that in your pocket and take that thing that you think you struggle with. Well, what about Hebrews where it says, you know, with the sin that does easily beset us? Jesus set you free from that. Not giving you the power to become free. See, that's what's sold. That's not true. You're actually already free. You're already free. So let it go. 
This is a horrible confrontation. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. And if we are going to rise up as the body of Jesus Christ, we have to embrace what's true. His power will fill us when we embrace only what's true. Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's not going to empower us when there's a mix of, of faults and we're teaching faults. Well, look at those other churches. They're so much bigger and they've got this and they've got that and they've got that. You know what? I'd trade all of that for an accurate and true understanding of Jesus Christ, my Savior and Lord. And you know what? I think he's calling people out in truth today. And so let's not give in to the sensationalism. Let's not give in to the edifices that are being built. You know what? Why don't we, uh, why don't we instead of dedicating a million dollars to a building, why don't we dedicate a million dollars to missions? Amen? How much would you pay if somebody if somebody would give a million dollars and it meant that somebody you loved that you were praying for that was lost would be for sure saved? <laughs> Every dollar we had, right? We'd find the million dollars. We'd borrow it. See, our eyes are on the wrong things, folks. The enemy has done a good job weaving his way into the church and attaching behavior to the truths of God. When Jesus said, I've already done it all. I've already given you everything pertaining to life and godliness. And so it's time to just start standing on it. Stand on it. So when those lies come, when he tries to attach, say, no, that's not true. Start to discern that. We went through the whole thing on the Holy Spirit, not just to, for something nice and interesting. Start applying this stuff. This isn't a game, folks. This is life and death for people. And we're talking about eternal life and eternal death. And we have a responsibility. We have been put here for such a time as this to stand without compromise for Genesis to Revelation, to, to love people, to help them, to encourage them, and to be true to the Lord and true to ourselves. And to let our own hearts break over the things we put confidence in that's beside Him. And so I want to encourage you this morning to be honest with God, and honest with yourself. This is hard stuff. This is not one-on-one. One-on-one is I'm okay, you're okay. This is reality. And I'm going to tell you, for me, when I first, I had held beliefs for a long time. And it's hard to let some of that stuff go. But either I'm going to submit to this, to this, or I'm just going to stay where I'm comfortable. I would rather be comfortable here. That's transformation. That's renewing of our mind. Just because you've held something for a long time doesn't make it true. Just because you're comfortable with it doesn't mean it's of God. And so it's time to lay those things on the altar. And the willingness comes when you see the failure that's in it. And you can say, well, I'm going to choose it. You can't choose to do it. Because you'll still believe there's some truth there. That's why unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it'll never live. Because it doesn't understand that, that had, you have to go through that process. I'm going to show everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.